Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. It's your boy Mac. Sheesh, man. What the fuck? Um, Cavs get swept in the two-game season series versus the Oklahoma City Thunder in a 128-120 game that was hella frustrating. Just super fucking frustrating for numerous reasons, right? And you guys know me. I'm typically got to keep it upbeat, got to come with some positivity and some optimism and i will do that tonight i'll try my best but i can't sit here and just lie to you guys that was one of the most frustrating losses uh you know in a early season portion that we've already started to see those kind of mount up right the first game against okc felt very much the same um you know the game uh the games against indiana those are very very frustrating uh, but all in all tonight, man, I just kind of, I couldn't help but feel like the Cavs just shot themselves in, in the damn foot on, on way too many occasions. I mean, let's just get it straight to it right off the bat. The Cavs turned the ball over tonight, a staggering 18 times. So, you know, I think it's actually more than that, The you know, Bleacher Report has it tracked at 18, but I'm pretty sure I heard on the broadcast that it was closer to 20. I don't know. So we'll see if that number changes. But it wasn't even just the turnovers themselves. It was the timing of them. It was just, it was very, very frustrating. And it started right out of the gate by our lead guard, Darius Garland, who clearly is still trying to work himself back. Uh, You know, DG on the night, he did start to turn things around in the second half. But he was not much of a factor at all in that first half. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Darius turned the ball over five times alone in the first quarter and had and finished with eight tonight. No other Cavalier in the starting unit finished with more than one turnover. So DG, DG was definitely uh, sluggish in this game, man. I, I, don't, I don't even know. I can't make excuses for the guy. I, I will say this is still just his fourth game back, if I'm not mistaken, but it did not look good at certain points. He kind of just seemed like he was way too careless with the basketball. I'm not going to sugarcoat shit. It just, it felt like essentially DG just didn't have a good handle on the ball tonight. Honestly, it, it just really boils down to that. And you saw that evident as hell in the first quarter alone, in which he had some very careless passes. And, you know, I will say this, you know, OKC's length, uh, at specific positions, uh, can frustrate you at times. You know, SGA, he is a lengthy guard. Jalen Williams, he does have an insanely long wingspan. Chet is Chet. Uh, but again, the Cavs still have a size advantage over OKC. And so Darius, you know, the, the ball placement at times on some of these passes that he was he was trying to make was bad. Uh, and, and, and a lot of these other turnovers were just careless. Like, they, they weren't even forced either. They were unforced turnovers. That's the worst kind. Obviously, Darius was not the only offender. There were, you know, numerous turnovers from Levert, uh, Wade and company. But Darius was the by far the biggest contributor with eight himself. So that right off the bat, that's just a super frustrating thing. And, you know, this game kind of felt like it was starting off on the right foot. I mean, they got Chet into foul trouble earlier because uh, because Jarrett was attacking him, right? You know, they got him two early foul calls, and I thought they were going to sit Chet. Obviously, they didn't. Um, OKC's head coach rolled the dice a little bit and Chet, and kept Chet out there for a little longer than I thought he probably would, but they got him in foul trouble early. And, you know, even with that being the case, the Cavs still just continue to shoot themselves in the foot with these careless turnovers. 
and lack of shooting in the first half. And, you know, it just kind of seemed like an overall lack of effort. Like some of these things can be cleaned up, right? It, it honestly does feel like some of these things can be cleaned up, but there just seemed to be like a general lack of effort on the offensive and defensive end. Um, you know, again, Jared Allen was definitely out there, especially in the first half attacking Chet and Karis LeVert, who we'll talk about a little later, was definitely money in transition, isolation and getting to the free throw line, um, which I loved. Right. But we struggled to get anything else tonight. We just could not get shit going. Um, and, and the crazy thing is, as a team in that first half, Cleveland actually shot Above 50%, they shot fairly well. Uh, but OKC did too, and they shot nine more times than Cleveland in that first half alone. But even with all of that being said, you know, not even truly mentioning the, the troubles on the defensive end where they allowed OKC to score 70 fucking points in the first half, um, you know, led by nearly unstoppable SGA, Shea Gilgis Alexander tonight, who paced. The Thunder with, uh, if I'm not mistaken, another 30 point, you know, actually 43 fucking points tonight from Shea. Uh, Just unbelievable. He had 23 of those in the first half alone on 10 of 11 from the field. 23 goddamn points in the first half, guys. Let that sink in. There was no stopping him tonight. And he was getting to the line at will. You cannot tell me. I, I, you know, I don't care how big of a fan of Isaac Okoro you are or you aren't. You cannot tell me that in a matchup like this, having your best point of attack defender out there isn't important. You cannot tell me that we couldn't have used Isaac Okoro out there. He would have been really, really valuable in a matchup like this. I mean, SGA literally cooked just about damn near every defender the Cavs threw at him. No lie. I just I can't sugarcoat it. He was cooking everybody. He stro- he he drove to the paint at will. He was knocking down threes. You and he was constantly rewarded for his efforts with shooting fouls, which was maddening in its own right. And you know I'm not going to talk about the officiating too much tonight because you know our guy cares. He he drew a lot of whistles tonight too. So it's not like it was unfair. But I just got to say, you know SGA that dude might have one of the nastiest whistles in the NBA, man. Dude gets breathed on, and it's a foul. <laughs> um, I'm not going to use that as an excuse uh, because he cooked, man. He he was out here cooking us. But you just can't tell me after watching that game that Okoro wouldn't have been helpful. And, you know, he may not have won the Cavs the game, obviously, but he was definitely missed. And I just want you guys to understand this just to put this into further perspective. Lifetime Shea Gilgis Alexander is 16 of 32 with uh, with Okoro as his primary defender. So he's shooting 50%, uh, which may not sound like a substantial uh, defensive stat, but when you consider that SGA was fucking 15 of 22 alone tonight, uh, you know, with everybody else defending him, Okoro would have definitely helped. You know, he, he wouldn't have stopped them, but he definitely would have made life just a little bit harder on him. The drives to the basket would probably have been fewer far in between. I, I just I, I can't fathom people who who see matchups like this and see a stat line like this from uh from SGA and think to themselves, hmm, Isaac Okoro is not important or he wouldn't he's not valuable or there's just no use for him. Because tonight is a perfect example of why you need a good point of attack defender because 
players like SGA who, you know, can basically score at will, you need somebody who is competent enough on that defensive end to at least keep up with him. And that was just the Cavs had literally no answer for SGA tonight. It was it was just very, very frustrating. And I knew heading into it, obviously, with Okoro still missing time with, uh, I think, left knee soreness, right, um, that it was going to be tough, um, especially coming off that Golden State game in which they just literally – it's not like they clamped Steph up. Steph was was still really good in that game despite the L that they handed uh, GSW. But it just goes to show, man, the, the the defense is still highly, highly important for matchups like this. And again, you know, I'm not going to sit up here and bitch about fouls just because we got some some of the benefit of the whistle tonight, too. But it just kind of felt like SGA got to the line whenever he drove to the basket. Um, you know, all in all, on the defensive end, you know, just to speak further to the lack of defensive effort. Um, there was just way, way too much uh, sluggishness and, and overhelping and committing on the defensive end. There was not nearly the, – the rotations were not crisp. The closeouts were not crisp. I just kind of felt like guys just were half-assing it tonight at, at some points. And there, there was a whole lot of confusion going on on that end. I just – I don't get it. Uh, and that's something to me, especially coming off that uh, Golden State victory, I thought maybe, hey, things might be looking up here from – a defensive standpoint again but again this just goes to show like every matchup is a little different within its own right we know that okc likes to get out there and run um they're not traditionally a team that you can just climb back into you know the game uh you know after being down for a substantial portion of time but the Cavs actually managed to do that um heading into that second half uh you know even with all the struggles that they had on both ends um, you know, I kind of felt like as long as they limited the turnovers, uh, you know, that they could climb back into it. And, you know, obviously they did not do that. They continued to turn the ball over. And again, the worst part was that the timing of them was just absolutely awful. They were just absolutely awful turnovers, the the, the timing of them. Anytime Cleveland would go on run, they, you know, it, it wasn't just the fact that OKC would you know, kind of stomp it out with a run of their own, they would just cap it with a turnover. It's just it's just mind-blowingly bad in regards to how frustrating it is. Um, even with all that being the case, though, they managed to climb their way back to a six-point deficit uh, midway through the fourth. And I thought, hey, you know what? This is a perfect time for a comeback. It, this is certainly possible. I, even in a sluggish night like this, the Cavs still have it within themselves to to bring it back. Shit just didn't happen. It just did not occur. Um, and it just it, it just kind of felt like the the all the energy was utilized on getting them back to that point. Every single time they pulled within a considerable range, five to six points, OKC would either uh you know come up with a run of their own or Cleveland would just turn it over. And that's just kind of how that's the story of tonight, honestly. And that's why tonight's episode is is considered what it is because the turnovers really really felt like they doomed the caps don't get me wrong on the defensive end that was that was shit too but considering cleveland and okc shot identical percentages from the field at 51 percent overall you know it, it is what it is the defense was definitely lackluster tonight 
uh, in all facets, but the turnovers are what costed the Cavs, uh, the Cavs the game. You know, the rebounding battle, if you want to talk about that, it was dead even at 41 all and basically dead even on the offensive glass at 11, uh, 11 for the Cavs to 12 for OKC tonight. Turnovers. Turnovers. Uh, Tune in sports. One says bright side. We don't have to see this team again, but this should have been a split. It absolutely shouldn't have been a split. And you can argue that it should have been uh, multiple Cavs victories. Um, if the Cavs were able to kind of step up, I would have been happy with the split though. Obviously that did not happen. The Cavs shot themselves in the foot repeatedly and they really controlled their own destiny in this second matchup. And obviously it's just one game, but it did not go their way tonight. And I, I can't, I can't sugarcoat it. I'm very frustrated with this loss. Uh, X-Factor uh, 2005 says, this is a game the Cavs should have won looking at the schedule because this is not a top team in the NBA. Uh, I'll say this. Man. I, I have to admit, we got it's time to put some respect on the Oklahoma City Thunder. They are not a bad team. Not at all. As of right now, with tonight's victory, I believe that puts them at 5-3, and three, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, obviously still very, very early into the season, but they're very, as TuneIn Sports says on here, they're a solid team. So I, I can't necessarily say they're not a top team in the NBA, but they're not a bad team either. They have some good young talent, very good uh, core. They have a, uh, a huge asset collection to swing a trade for a big time star in the future if they want to. And that's an envious position to be in for many teams that are, uh, you know, either leaving a rebuild or attempting to uh, to stave one off, right? So OKC is definitely an up-and-comer out there. I, I can't disrespect them by that, uh, like that. Man, this is, this is just one that hurts, though. It, it stings, especially on a trip where you're having to, you know, the, the Cavs are – they're stepping out on this trip and they're going to be facing a litany of tough opponents, right? At least until mid-November. You're taking on Golden State again when we know how fucking how difficult that matchup has been over the years. Literally, we just beat them for the first time in about seven years. Uh, yeah. So, you know, just the game prior. So that's always going to be a tough matchup for Cleveland. And then you head to Sacramento, right? That's that's a tough matchup, man. These are tough games. And if there was one game that I felt like Cleveland could have walked away from uh, with a victory, it was tonight, right? And I would have been perfectly, from a mindset perspective, just on mental, I would have been okay if we took if we split with uh, with Golden State and we lost to Sacramento. If we at least took one of these three, and it's still very possible that we do, um, you know, but. This one felt like it was a very good possibility, and it just did not happen. And, and the worst part is that the Cavs were the one that basically inflicted it on themselves, right? You know, forget how well OKC shot tonight. Forget how well uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, uh, you know, shot tonight himself. This is this was a game in which Cleveland basically turned over to them. They gave it away. They just gave it away the same way they were giving the basketball away. So it was just very frustrating in, in that regard. But, you know, it, it's not the end of the world. There are always bright sides uh, to everything. Yeah, the Kings game, you know, Mike Brown coaching them, they've been very, very good uh, over the past couple of seasons uh, since he's been there. Um, they're just, they're starting the, four, the year off just two and four, but 
I'm not necessarily a believer that record is always, especially this early into a season. I don't necessarily believe that record is always indicative of, um, of how good or bad a team is. Sometimes it just depends upon strength of schedule, your health, uh, team wise, uh, some of these factors that are not necessarily in your control, but it's going to be a tough one. We know they like to get out there and they like to run too. Cleveland, you know, for what it's worth, we appear to have tried to commit to this increased pace uh, for better or worse. But um, yeah, that's, that's definitely a tough matchup tonight, man. There, there are things you can take away that, that are somewhat of a positive, but uh, this doesn't feel like the positives outweigh the negatives today. By far the turnovers were the biggest thing today, the overarching theme. Um, if there's one good thing that I could say, having Jared Allen back still is definitely helping the Cavs in regards to interior rim presence uh, and rim protection, rather. That definitely feels like it's something that was uh, sorely missed. Jared only plays 26 minutes tonight, and I think that was done on purpose just because of the matchup, the stylistic differences between these two teams with how OKC kind of likes to play small ball out there. And we know that kind of favors them with the way that Chet is able to space the floor. Um, and we saw that tonight. And speaking of Chet, had a lot of people blowing up my mentions about how Chet is so much farther along in regards to his development um, in comparison to our own Evan Mobley, right? And what I'll say to that is um, you got to understand, you know, just from a developmental standpoint, Chet came into the NBA, and although he missed his true rookie season, he came into the NBA already quite skilled from an offensive standpoint. Mobley came in pretty raw. And while Mobley has been here longer, um, to really compare the two's games, because they're they're stylistically different. They're just not the same type of player. They're not. And I don't know if they're they ever technically will be. Like maybe I'm selling Mobley a little short here. But, uh, yeah, I just – I don't see him and Chet as a great comparison in that regard. Chet already came in pretty decently skilled on the offensive end. Um, Torrance Lee down here says Evan Mobley is just another guy. I don't necessarily believe that. If that is your mindset on the offensive end, um, you know – at this point in time, I'll hand that to you. I don't necessarily believe he's just another another guy or Jag, as it's often abbreviated in uh, today's sports sectors. But uh, yeah, I mean, Mobley tonight, 22 points, five boards. That's definitely something you wanted to see more of out of him. Um, tonight, you know, no Cavalier finish with more than seven rebounds. They were led by uh, Max Struess of all people. Um, I'll talk about here, him here in just a bit. I've been very surprised with his rebounding to start the season. But, yeah, I, I don't consider Evan Mobley just another guy. I think that his development was always going to be hard to track because the addition of Evan, the addition of Donovan Mitchell kind of changed the trajectory, right? It, it, it expedited things. It made it so that his developmental curve was going to take a different type of path. Um, there's less touches to go around for him, obviously. Uh, although he did, he was second uh, on the team tonight in regards to field goal attempts, 
But if you're trying to run the offense through Mobley, um, more often than not, it's not always going to turn out the best way. Um, believe it or not, despite all the turnovers that Darius had tonight, Darius is still by far the best playmaker on this team, and you usually want to play through him, right? Um, Donovan is also going to take his turns initiating the offense. Contrary to popular belief, Donovan is actually quite adept at making plays for others. Um, and speaking of Donovan, it was a tough night for him, right? You can't go out there and just shoot the lights out every single night. And although Donovan did put up 20 points, it was rather inefficient as he went just 8 of 23 from the field tonight and 1 of 9 from three-point range. Just piss-poor shooting. Um, and you're going to have nights like that. Mitchell has started off the season basically being Superman for the Cavs, right, carrying them on his back. Uh, putting up 30-point games and nearly every appearance that he's had uh, so far this season. Uh, but, again, you know, this just comes down to the fact that you have to be able to get production out of your your ancillary pieces, right? Darius Garland has to be better, better than 15 points. Um, and while his shooting stats will tell you, hey, he was a little bit more efficient tonight because against – uh golden state i believe he was six of 15 i might be misquoting that but uh he was definitely all of six from three-point range and he just did not have the shot with him the, the thing that saved him in that uh in that game was the fact that he was able to uh draw fouls quite often and and head to the charity strike where he was pretty effective finishing i think 12 or 13 from the line um Definitely got to get more production out of him. I think that they will as time rolls on. This is only his fourth appearance of the season. Um, let me see down here. Uh, Pranav, Garland was terrible. Get that he's coming off the hamstring, but eight turnovers is inexcusable. Have to agree. Um, you know, I'm trying not to pile on him too much, but the the turnovers themselves, the worst part about them, again, was that a lot of them were unforced, right? Uh, it's not as if OKC was forcing him into some bad decisions. Garland literally just turned the ball over by making some bad decisions, right? They did not force him into them. Uh, definitely felt inexcusable tonight, so I'm not even going to try and defend that. I, I really felt like DG had a rough, rough game tonight, even though he started to turn things around in the second half. Um, just, just got awful. Uh, in regards to the protection of the basketball tonight, Cavs were way too careless as as a unit. Um, you know, you look elsewhere here off the bench. Uh, George Niang, Niang has actually started to play a little bit better as of late, um, and then it continues to surprise me that he's able to hold up on the defensive end. Um, but again, there's only so much your bench can do if your starters aren't really. You know, you're not going to do too much. And then got to keep in mind, they played Karis LeVert 34 minutes tonight off the bench. He, I continue to say this. Karis is basically your sixth starter out there. He's so damn versatile. Um, even heading back to last season, he's basically the Cavs' most important reserve, and that continues to be the case. Um, even with Isaac Okoro coming back into the rotation here, hopefully pretty soon, um, Karis remains the Cavs' most important reserve just because of the versatility that he offers. And Karis tonight, man, 29 points off the Cavalier bench. Cav, uh, Karis actually led the team tonight in in scoring. 29 points, 14 
uh, in all 14 shot attempts, two of six from three point line and 13 of 16 from three, uh, from the charity stripe, which is a good thing, right? He was able to draw the whistle, which hasn't always been the case because officiating, um, to start the season has been all over the place. And it's not just Cleveland. Um, the, the officiating NBA wide has just kind of seemed like it's been all over the place, man. I don't know what the hell's going on with the NBA refs these, uh, these days, but uh, yeah, it's it, it has not necessarily been great. But to see that Karras was able to draw a whistle tonight, it was nice. It was nice. Um, and had Karras not basically taken it upon himself to kind of will the Cavs back into this one, they probably would have gotten routed. Um, it probably would have been much worse than an eight-point loss had Karras LeVert not kind of turned things on. Because he kind of seemed like the only Cavalier out there tonight who gave a shit on both ends. He, he really was trying. And, and maybe that's a little bit of a shot at some of these other guys, but it really felt that way tonight. Maybe with the exception of Jared, cause I, I, I do legitimately feel like Jared was out there trying, but uh, yeah, on the defensive end and just turn the ball over. It just, it just sucks, man. And this X factor 2005 says down here, it is good to see the Cavs have 26 assists as a team tonight. Uh, yeah, I mean, the increased pace um, means there's undoubtedly going to be more shot opportunities for guys. Um, the ball movement is not terrible as a whole, but the decision-making at times is very questionable, right? Um, I expect an, an uptick in turnovers team-wide uh, due to the Cavs trying to operate at this increased pace, but uh, you know that doesn't necessarily mean that the turnovers that we've seen have been a result of that because they haven't. Literally, most of the turnovers that we saw tonight were the result of poor passing, right? Just oh, and there were not necessarily difficult passes to make. There were just ones where guys were just a little bit too too uh, too careless with the ball, and it adds up very quickly. Once you see that start to occur uh, more than a few times, it can result in a lot of points, you know, points off turnovers for OKC. I need to check what that was tonight, but uh, it just wasn't good, man. It was not good. And it, it just left a sour taste in my mouth, especially considering that we now have to play Golden State again uh, coming up on Saturday. But this was just just a brutal one, man. And we've we've already seen a couple of these types of games in these first eight for Cleveland um, as Dr. Claw down here says, miss free throws, turnovers, and no Okoro to blunt the SGA effect story of the night. Absolutely. Um, SGA, again, if you guys didn't catch this earlier, um, Okoro lifetime on SGA uh, has held him to 16 of 32 from the field, which doesn't seem like a, like a great thing because it is 50%. It's still better than your typical defender because SGA was literally cooking everybody's night. He, he scored at will and he drew the whistle like no other. And again, I will say this again, that motherfucker has one of the nastiest whistles that I've seen in the NBA. <laughs> uh, and you know, some point, so at some points we got guys over here who just couldn't draw a foul at the life, uh, you know, if their life depended upon it. And it's not always their fault. Um, Darius Garland is, is one of these guys I hear who just doesn't get a lot of uh, a lot of foul calls. Isaac Okoro is another. It feels like the the officiating crews often have it out for Isaac when he's out there. 
Um, and he's just not getting that. And Dr. Claw also says it's the opposite of the LeBron whistle. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I mean, what else can you say? And, and even with that being said, even with all the bullshit foul calls that SGA was getting, um, and it wasn't just SGA either. There was some, you know, Lou Dort draw some, drew some contact tonight. Um, we have one in particular in which he just completely drove by Evan Mobley and, and I think he completed an and one. Just fouls that uh, were, were mind-numbing uh, at times. But even with all that being said, Cleveland still had an opportunity to emerge from this one victorious. But they just shot themselves in the foot, man, with all these turnovers. Just brutal. That that truly, as Dr. Claw said down here, that was basically the story of the night. The turnovers, the missed free throws. Because the, the Cavs, man, they left so many points, uh, you know, on – off the scoreboard tonight. They were literally, they shot 73% from the free throw line tonight and they left 10. They left 10, count them, 10 points. That That's right there is the difference right there. That literally could have been the difference in the game. You make those free throws, you might win this one. It Honestly, they took 37 free throws tonight to OKC's 30. Yeah, I see TuneIn Sports says down here, kickball violation early in the game. Yeah, these these little plays definitely add up. They definitely add up. Uh, but again, this is one in which the Cavs could have walked away away from with the victory had they actually executed uh, on the fundament, fundamentals of basketball just a little better. Just turn the ball over a couple, you know, a few less times, and you probably win this game. That's what's so frustrating about it. Defense, you know, was what it was. SGA is going to get his. Chet, you know, he's he continues to look like an emerging star there for them, and that's great, right? But this is this is a team that was that was beatable. That's what I saw tonight. I saw a team that was perfectly beatable, but Cleveland just gave it to them, and that's really all I can say, man. Um, uh, you know, Cleveland, they obviously have some things to figure out. Um, I get the general consensus right now on social media for the Cavs fans and the fan base is to be all doom and gloom and negative, you know, negative all around in regards to all of this stuff. And I'm going to try not to feed into that because uh, it's not my style. Right. But there are some things that I do get. Uh, I'll just put it that way. But at the same time, it is still very early in the season for, and frankly, too early in my opinion to, um, you know, be truly, truly concerned. I feel like some of these things are fixable. I feel like DG's shot is eventually going to start to fall. I feel like he's going to cut some of these turnovers out. Um, and I do legitimately feel like you're going to get more out of the front court pairing of Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. But, uh, it's going to take some time, right? And the the worst part about it is the the slate that's in front of them, right? You got Golden State coming up, you have Sacramento coming up. We could easily somebody said this to me, uh, you know, a few games back, and while I still don't necessarily agree, I understand where they might be coming from. Um, they said we could easily basically be looking at three and seven start, right? Um, it's possible if the Cavs play like this in these next two games. You could easily be looking at three and seven. These are teams that you cannot make. <laughs> yeah, you cannot make these types of mental mistakes against. Tune in, Sports One. 
Fire JB. I can predict the Cavs comment section. Yes. I mean, that's just one. The Cavs could win a game by 50 plus and people would still be finding ways to criticize JB. I mean, that's just how it seems to, how it seems to go. Right. Uh, honestly, I can't, <laughs> I really can't say anything else. Uh, Sack should also be a win considering De'Aaron Fox is most likely out. Uh, according to your, uh, Pranav. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I would, I would think that, right. But we've seen occasions in which teams have missed key players and Cleveland has still managed to give the game away. IE the golden state game last season is probably the best example of that where they threw out a bunch of reserves and we still got our asses kicked. Um, I'm going to head into that one with uh, positivity, right? But uh, we'll have to see. I'm going to be waiting with bated breath because these are very two excellently coached teams that we're going to be facing off with in Golden State and Sacramento uh, before we actually get a kind of a break in the schedule with Portland and Detroit, right? Um, so I'm I'm hoping that we can emerge victorious in at least one of these next two. You got to win at least one of these next two, right, on this road trip. Uh, but... You know, hopefully we don't see some of the remnants of tonight's game, specifically in regards to the missed free throws and turnovers in in those two. Because if you do, you make those types of mental mental errors, you are going to end up losing both. Um, That's that's really as nice as I can put it. Um, That said, if you know, if you like to reach out to me, you know how you can. It's Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you would like to join the It's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review, send a screenshot of said review to itscavalier53 at gmail.com, and I'll send you an invite. That said, go Cavs. Have a good night.